Yes, hello, folks. Welcome to the special episode of Beyond the Pitch. The most huge match is needed. Join me, host always, Phil Brown. Join my regular co-host here, fantastic comic fighting. Let's be joined for the second United podcast of the season. And, uh, of course, we did the one last week. Appreciate all the downloads, links, and um, all your retweets and likes and all that. Though, folks, always very much appreciate it. Um, Callum, how you doing, mate? I'm doing well, Phil. Really looking forward to, to being back. And it's always great to have United actually mm-hmm. on the pitch as well, which which we've all been waiting for. I know we love the Euros and the international break, but having United back is always extra special. It really is. It's good to see United back. And uh, Now that the Euros is over and everyone's back looking at their clubs, um, you know, it really is mad that you know, footballers just get no preseason at all, really. They get no time <laughs> off. It's just absolutely insane. Um, lots of things happen, of course. Um, most of the focus at the moment is on, is on transfers, of course. But, you know, they also play this weekend against Derby County. Um, we'll talk about some of the things that happened there and some of the um, things that will happen afterwards. So just will Palestri go out on loan? Should he go out on loan? Stuff like that. Um First of all, I'm not sure if you got a chance to watch the Derby game. I didn't. It wasn't on. Yeah, did you see it? I only got to see the the, the highlights of the game. Really, uh, mostly the goals. To be honest, um, in terms of Palestri, I think it's it's good to see a young man that's clearly grown in confidence. Um, I liked his comments after the game, saying that he would love to be able to to fight for his place at the United. I think that's a real positive. And I also mm-hmm. like the fact that Chong was able to play in this game. I know he's he's agreed to go on loan to Birmingham and he's going there, but yeah. I think it's important that United have got the opportunity. While it's still early in pre-season for everyone um, to, to integrate youngsters like him into the squad and still have that sort of carrot and stick approach of this is hopefully what you can get back to if you have a successful loan and can rebuild. Um, but overall, I think it was a good mix of youth and experience. You had the likes of Tom Heaton coming back, playing in goal. Mm-hmm. Lee Grant get some yeah. game time. You had Juan Mata on the pitch, but you also had youngsters, as we've said, Palestri, Hugo, um, and others. So I think that that for me is exactly what you want from a pre-season game against a, a championship club. You want to get a good mix of youth and experience. You've still got the international players away in their break due to going so far in the tournament. You're Rashford Sancho, obviously, not confirmed yet. It, but um, it's, I think it's good in that regard to, to see a, a, a nice balance and the result in pre-season isn't really important but you'll always take a win you always will I mean I, I would say that it's important in the sense that for building confidence uh, we've heard Solskjaer talk about how important the start of the season is and it really is and I think one of the things that um, Mourinho used to be really really good at was starting seasons really well uh, and um, you never haven't done that uh, they haven't done that for a bit, so we really want to see them because this, the title race starts on the first day of the season. And yes, you can still recover after losing a couple of games, but it just gets it so much, it gives you so much to do. And when you look at where October is, October is a hard month, you know, it's really, really important they have momentum going into October on the back of confidence so that they're not going into that game into that October, still not finding the form the way they were last season. I know it was different last season with COVID and everything, but it's really, really important, you know, to do that. Um, I want to ask you about uh, the rule where stadiums can be full. Do you think this is going to be sustained throughout the end of the season? Uh, my, my main worry is that it, it may not. Um, here in the UK today, nightclubs opened last night in mm-hmm. England. I was based in Scotland, so it doesn't affect me. But mm. um, Boris Johnson said today that vaccine passports will be in order as of the end of September. Um, so obviously, it makes you question, well, if you're not going to bring that into the end of September, could there be some quote-unquote chaos before then? But you've just got to have your fingers crossed that the vaccines are doing the job and that it can be sustainable. 
I think when you when you look at the 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 numbers that they're saying could be going into hospitals and cases per day, it, it suggests to me that I don't think full crowds will be sustainable. If I'm being brutally honest, but I don't think you'll go back to having zero fans at games. Um, I think it's interesting that that England in particular are going back to full crowds straight away. I think it may have been sensible to go with fifty percent and and really just maybe do that until September until you've got every um, over eighteen offered the, 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 the both vaccines. But ultimately, this is a decision that's been made, and I hope they can continue with full crowds. But I'm a I'm a bit sceptical. Maybe maybe that's me being negative, and maybe after eighteen long months, we're all just a wee bit anxious as we're getting back to, mm-hmm. to a new normal or, or the old normal, whatever way uh, you look at it. But I, I don't think we'll see capacity crowds for the full season, if I'm being brutally honest. I think there will be dips potentially in the winter months. It's going to be interesting because CDC here um, issued a travel warning this morning um, against the UK because of uh, the fact that they're opening up completely. And it's interesting because mask mandates were reinstated here in LA last week um, due to the re- due to the Delta variant and other things, of course. Um, I'm just curious to see how this is going to be sustained throughout the rest of the season. Uh, if cases and hospitalizations keep going up, I know it's such a contentious issue. I know there's people all across the uh, spectrum on this. Um, so I'm not going to get political on this show. I'm just debating it from purely benign point of view and asking, wonder, wonder what's going to happen with this. Will it be sustainable? Just to give a, just a, an example, obviously I'm based in Scotland. Celtic's capacity, 60,000. Rangers' capacity is around 51,000. Both of those clubs have allowed a maximum of 9,000 fans in at the moment. So mm-hmm. in Scotland, it's, it's sitting just about 25%. And the talk is they maybe try and get to full crowds by mid-August, but there seems to be a slightly more cautious approach. But as you say, in England, it is back to, to full capacity. So with the travel warning coming in from the States, and there's also a travel warning in from Bulgaria, they were put onto the, mm. the green list over here and Bulgaria said, well, please don't come because that's not what we're wanting at this stage. It's mm-hmm. it's definitely interesting to see the perspective of the of uh, Europe and, and, and America when it comes to the UK and the situation at the moment. It, from, when you look at the perspective, as you've said, Phil, of the States and Europe, it suggests it probably isn't going to be sustainable, but mm. just, just fingers crossed it can be because clubs have lost so much money and of course the loss of life is 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 something mm-hmm. that that is horrible and and everyone we, we can lose money and we can recover in time and you can't get a, a lost life back but I, th- I think a lot of clubs especially the smaller clubs need this to come off because they've been they've been mm-hmm. really struggling for the majority of the pandemic they, they're seeing a bit of light at the end of the tunnel and if it's taken away from them i think you you really will see the game break down and um, particularly at championship level and below in england yeah, it, it definitely is somewhat of a dystopian view of my own self of the future of what's going to happen, I have to be honest. Um, just based on human behaviour and extrapolations of that. Uh, let me get into some of the more entertaining stuff that we actually want to talk about, and that's the football. Ollie has been talking about implementing a 4-3-3 this season. Now, what's interesting about that is that the reason why he hasn't been playing it, in my opinion, still hasn't changed, because they still don't have a proper defensive midfielder, in my opinion, that you could trust were playing a 4-3-3. Uh, I was rem- just remembering back to the Euros when Portugal played Germany and they dropped Bruno Fernandes the game after that and they played Paulinha, who's defensive midfielder. And primarily because in that Germany game, Portugal were getting caught out 
were wide open. Big problem down the uh, right hand side, I believe it was, uh, where um, Semedo was playing. They got destroyed. Yeah. Uh, but also because with Fernandez, you need a proper defensive midfielder. With France, you got the best out of Pogba because of um, you know con- uh, content. So the question is, we know you need to want the midfielder, but when you go back to them going after Ballina, Camavinga, those are young midfielders. Or and, and I, I spoke to Jonathan Johnson on this podcast last week and asked him about the suitability of someone like Camavinga to come into a Manchester United and, and hit the ground running. And is he a realistic replacement for someone like Paul Pogba? And he's like, he's not ready for that yet. Very, very good player, but he's not ready to be playing for a team. So, so you can't say that Camavinga would be the solution to that defensive midfield. Rumours over the weekend linking it with Saul Niguez. Now, I spoke to a couple of people and the feedback to me was certainly someone that's only at the scouting list. They like him. But everything that's being said right now is is has been um, disseminated by the agent. So it's exaggerated interest to get Barcelona and Atletico Madrid to do that deal. So that isn't happening. And everything that I'm told Cam is that a third player will be difficult after Varane comes in uh, budgetary way. So I'd expect that you'll see two players, a gap. We need to try to move some players on and then possibly bring in a third. Well, well just, just on that, I like the way, again, Ollie's handling the Lingard situation. He spoke very highly mm-hmm. of him after the game against Derby, talked about him. Will he be in your plans? Oh, of course he'll be in my plans. He's, he's Like he did with uh, Lukaku and Sanchez, he, mm-hmm. he does all the right things to... Um, ge- hopefully generate interesting players because as you said after Varane coming in along with Sancho that's going to be a, a, a substantial outlay given the amount of money that the club has lost due to COVID I know um, we, we can we can talk about the, the owners and the fact they've taken dividends for a number of years and still did during COVID mm-hmm. even though of course um, everything else was going out the window except that of course but I think it's naturally will be difficult um, as I say, the Lingard situation is handling well. He will have to look at outgoings. When you look at United's potential outgoings, if I'm being brutally honest, I think it's hard to see where United are going to raise substantial amounts of money for players that they want out. The only two I can think of is Lingard and one of the goalkeepers. I think they would they would raise a decent fee. There's talk that um, Roma, there was uh, reported that Roma are interested in Tellez, but weren't really willing to go above around 15 million euros. And and, and why, if you're United, why would you take 15 million euros for Tellez when, when he has an able deputy ahead of someone that Brandon Williams at this stage, who you would rather loan out and develop while you've got Tellez at the club? So I think the, the, the outgoing situation is going to be very interesting to watch. As I say, other than Lingard and maybe a goalkeeper, I don't really see anyone screaming out that's going to, um, bringing a substantial amount of money other than the stars that the club has, your Pogba, Fernandez, etc. And I don't see the club selling any of those players this summer, of course. Well, like Tellez, you know, Tellez provides a value to Manchester United. You have to also assume that Luke Shaw can be injured. You're just one accident away from needing a quality left back. And Luke Tellez doesn't put pressure on Luke Shaw to be better unless he's got the quality to be a starting left back. Because otherwise, Luke Shaw doesn't worry about him. So he has that that left back has to be a certain quality. So you sell Tellers, who you have to bring in somebody of similar quality to do exactly the the reason why you brought Tellers in. And so to me, that doesn't make sense. I would not sell him. I would keep him. And I and I personally hasn't done much wrong. Um, the other side of that, Dojo Dallo um, pr- will probably leave this summer. 
is my guess. Uh, probably you'll loan with an option to buy. I think you never prefer to sell him. And of course, that would leave Kieran Trippier, who is someone United like. I uh, cannot see United paying you know, 35 million euro for Kieran Trippier. Atletico Madrid want to do a deal um, <clears throat> at somewhere around where they paid for Tellez. Then I think United would be interested in something like that. Um, so I, I, again, it's encouraging to see United looking. Like, see, to me, Trippier and Tellez are of similar quality, right? And, and, and having that at right back will help Juan Bissaka. And it's something you needed need. So I, I'm encouraged by that. Um, but uh, I think that um, Talas, you don't sell Talas. It's interesting that they've said two and ZB can go on loan. So if two and ZB can go on loan, the only way that's happening is if they're bringing the Santa back in. Right? So um, I'm, I'm confident, not certain, confident is what all you can really say, <laughs> that uh, Varane, Varane will be a United player. And I think, I think United are confident too. Um, he's the perfect centre-back for, for Maguire. They're very different. He's experienced. You know, the guy, what has he won? Three, four European Cups under Zidane? Unbelievable. And you've got Danny Mills saying, Can he, is he good enough for the Premier League? It's just ignorance. I believe they come. What, what, what do you think? The Premier League played in the moon? What do you think not football? I mean, what, what? What? Nonsense is this? So he said that uh, United should sign Ben White because he has more Premier League experience. Yeah. And you just think you need to you need to wake up and from your ignorance. He also said that he's only he only plays four important games a year. Well, that's four more important games than Mills ever played in his career. Well, can I assure you, Andros Townsend's more Premier League experience than Messi. <laughs> right, and, uh, so, <laughs> I've heard into Ben Townsend, then you know, or Ben Messi. I you know I they can't do it. They can't do it on Tuesday night. You know, up at Bournemouth. This ignorance, insanity, right? It's just unbelievable. I, so, um, yeah, maybe it doesn't need Danny Mills approval. We'll, we'll survive with that. Um, but um, I really, I, I think it's a brilliant signing and uh, very, very encouraging. And uh, I, I, I want to see him at United. I think when you look at the centre-backs that are out there, who else are you going to get? That, 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 I think that's a fair a fair analysis in terms of who else are you going to get because there mm. there, are, there aren't a many um, options that scream out. You think of someone like Koulibaly. I feel like he's been talked about for the last five or six years and never really went anywhere. And people have got to realise that even if he was linked to a club like United, he is five or six years older from the player that many people were talking about. Mm-hmm. You look at other centre-backs in the continent um, who could be of interest. I know Sergio Ramos was talked about before he went to PSG, but I don't. I personally don't think that's the sort of move United should have made. I just think um, he's he's aging. Um, I know Thiago Silva came in at Chelsea and made an impact, but but I think that's a dangerous game, um, especially with a centre back that, that that's going past thirty five. I think it's a very very bold decision to make, particularly in in, in this era of the Premier League where you've got for front lines at Liverpool's that are, are built on a lot of sheer pace. I think it would be asking an awful lot without a real quality holding midfielder as things stand. So with Varane, I think, or Varane, I think you're talking about a, a top centre-back. You mentioned the fact he's won four European Cups. The CV that he's bringing in is is extraordinary at, at, at this stage. And bringing him into the club is only going to help improve the players around him. It's only going to help Maguire. And just similarly with the show effect, now I'm not saying Lindelof's going to go on and, and be a world beater and, and go on to the next level, but if Varane comes into the club and partners Maguire, he's then got to seriously step up his game because Eric Bailly, I think, is, 
is, is a little too injury prone to put serious pressure on Lindelof. Twan Zabi's been in and out. There's also these injury issues over recent years, whereas it'll be interesting to see how he reacts to being out the team. And sometimes that can be the best thing for a player because they have to, they know they have to up the level, they have to up the standard. So for me, the impact that Varane will have on the park in United's strongest 11 will be very good and it will get United towards challenging for the trophies that they want to challenge for. But it'll also have an impact on the training ground with some of the players that have to drop out the side as a consequence because they simply have to step up their game or they'll be out the club full stop. Let me ask you about Young Palestri because uh, Solskjaer said he will most likely go on loan. My view is that's the right decision. Personally, I would have liked to have seen him go on loan to a Premier League team uh, to see how he does for a year at that level um, and to see how he adjusts. I think it would be good for his language. I think it would be good for lots of different things um, for him to be in the Premier League. But you know, a year in La Liga is not, not, not the worst thing in the world either. Um, I can't pass judgment on Palestri good, bad, or indifferent yet because I just haven't seen enough of him yeah. for him to, for me to say he's ready, he's really good, or he's not good enough. I just haven't seen enough of him. Uh, what do you think of him going out on loan? I think going out on loan is a, is a positive. I think the fact that Alaves are strongly linked again would be good for continuity purposes for him. La Liga, as you say, is a very strong league. The only thing I would say, and we talked about it in last week's show, and I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about it again today, is the Rashford situation. If Rashford is going to miss three months, I think it would be nice to have another option in those wide areas. But then again, as you've rightly said, Phil, is he ready even in those three months to come mm-hmm. in and make the desired impact? That that That's... That's all, all up for debate because we just don't have the evidence to back up to say yes, but also we don't really have the evidence to say no. But overall, I think from a developmental perspective, another loan would make sense. A Premier League loan would have been ideal. He's someone I think a team like Brentford would have maybe been interested in. But then again, um, if he's got the continuity option with Alaves, they're playing at high standard in La Liga. I can understand why that makes sense, especially with a with a language situation as well. I think it's something that he'll be able to, to settle into quicker. And, and obviously, he's aware of the situation there. He's aware of the players around him, the management team. And I think that can only be a good thing for his development if he can get a full season under his belt again there. But even if he stays, surely you would imagine Ahmad would be ahead of him. I think you need to clearly think that Ahmad is ahead of him right now. Uh, hence the reason why they kept him and and, and he's obviously he obviously played first team football. Um do, do would you do you loan out a man or do you keep him? I think you simply have to keep him with the with the situation with Rashford. I think even just from mm-hmm. a depth point of view, you have to keep him. How many times have we talked in, in recent years that United are maybe two players been out from the bench looking really, really threadbare? And I think a player like Ahmad showed uh, glimpses last year. Obviously, he, he took time to get his opportunities, and, and rightly so. He had to be uh, put into the squad in a in a soft manner, given the nature of his age and how many games he'd played before coming to United. So I think mm-hmm. it definitely makes sense to keep him at the club. If Rashford is going to be out to October, it's an incredible opportunity for him. I think that's something that Solskjaer and the staff well, we'll definitely be speaking to him about. It's an incredible opportunity to make a real impact. You could make yourself a key member of the squad so that even when Rashford comes back, we'll get even more depth than they thought maybe that we had had. Um, But I think one of them has to stay at the club, as I say, because of the situation with Rashford. I think United cannot afford to leave themselves badly short in the wide areas. We've talked about the right-hand side of the midfield. I know Sancho is going to fill that void, but he can't afford to have a glaring... Uh, area of weakness on the on one of the, the 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 wings because when you're playing players out of position in there, eventually you do you do get caught. You, it can work for a game or two, but I think 
if you're asking someone who doesn't normally play wide to play there for six or seven games, especially in that October time, I think you're asking you're asking an awful lot. So I think it makes sense to keep him at the club. One of them should stay. And as you say, I think he's at, we've got a bit of evidence in terms of what he can do. And I think for me, it would be the sensible thing to keep him at the club and give him opportunities this season. Yes, could not agree more. Let me talk about um, defensive midfield because we talked about Sion Niguez and said that, um, you know, dismissed those rumours. Uh, certainly the veracity of, of them that's being claimed right now. Um, what do you need, need as a defensive midfielder? Because people talk about Declan Rice. I like Declan Rice, but not certain. To me, there's still developmental things that he needs to have in his game. Talk about 100 million from West Ham is totally absurd. Right, Declan Rice is a forty million pound footballer right now for me. That is at a price where you've still got developmental uncertainties about a player. Where you're saying, look, he's very good right now. I'm also going to give you a little bit more for his potential, but potential is not a certainty, you know. So, um, I, I I think if if United could get away with Jesse Lingard plus ten million, I do it somewhere around there. Um, and I think it'd be a good deal. Um, but um, as alternatives, what, what do you think you need to do in that? In terms of that position, if I'm being honest, Phil, we're talking about 4-3-3. I think you're going to need someone whose main attribute is, and again, it sounds daft because it's a whole midfield position, but is their defensive skills, their interceptions, um, and maybe dropping deep to get the ball and pass it on to your Pogba Fernandez, who are going to be playing ahead of them in that three the thing with Declan Rice is I really like Declan Rice as well. I think he's a good footballer, but he's another one who likes to bomb forward. And I think if United are going to be playing with Fernandez and Pogba in that three, I know we're not going to get a player like Kante and they're hard to come by, but I think you're going to need someone who, first and foremost, is looking to make interceptions, uh, aggressively intercept the ball and get it to those two in front of them. Obviously, there is a time and a place where you can go forward. Nobody's saying you need to sit and become a third centre-back, but... I don't think United can afford to get a player in there who's going to be desperate to 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 dive forward the same as the two in front of them because four three three is a formation that you've talked about already that can leave teams exposed. So I think United need to get someone in there who is is his main focus is is is, is being a holding midfielder. I like Wilfred and Didi of Leicester. I don't think United will go for him. I think he'd be too expensive. Leicester, of course, have have got a an exciting team and I don't think they're going to want to let anyone go this summer anyway but I suppose that they have in recent summers always let one player go um, whether he'd be a realistic alternative I don't quite know as I say price wise I don't quite think so I think holding midfield is a, a position that I find hard to to maybe pinpoint three or four names if I'm being really honest um, I think in years gone by you could pinpoint three or four and say right that's really what they do whereas now it's, it's, I think it's a lot harder because players naturally in midfields are wanting to, to burst forward. You also look at teams like Liverpool in recent years who, I would argue, didn't really have any real star quality in their midfield three. But as a unit, they gave so much to the team that let other aspects of the team flourish. Whereas with United, you've got Pogba and Fernandes who really are stars and really are top-level footballers that you aren't going to get that workman-like side from them to the extent that you would with the, the sort of Henderson, Wijnaldum and Fabinho um, three that Liverpool have. So I think you need to get someone, as I say, who first and foremost, first eyes on defence. Um, again, I don't think United will go for him. I'm thinking about someone about Danilo Pereira of Portugal, whose first start, whose first um, aim is to get the ball, win it back, get it to a better player. As I say, I don't think United will go for him. I'm just trying to give an example to, to illustrate my point. 
but in a 4-3-3 becomes you've got Fred and Tomine. I'm just doing this off the top of my head. Fred by Tomine, Maric, Pogba and Fernandez are going to be your first two. You've got Van de Beek. You bring another midfielder. What are you going to do with all those midfielders? I think, simply put, you would have to move someone on or someone will want to move on. Um, obviously, you can Who? argue there, there will Tomine's be irritation. not going anywhere. McTominay's not going anywhere. Will there be a lot of, of suitors for Fred? Mm, potentially not. Matic is the one I think that you could move on. Um, I think that's something that maybe could be done with Mourinho and Roma. Could be wrong. Maybe Mourinho's moved on from that. But again, with Matic, I, I just don't think you're going to command a high fee. Van de Beek, I don't really look at as being someone who would be playing in that position as a holder. Um, we spoke about this again last season. I don't think he's you got still got the, a firm in the midfield three yet. Well, you do. I think I think he's going to be an understudy though for one of the two in front. If you're talking about that holding role, still got Lingard. Forgot about Lingard. Lingard as well. Um, But I think I think as you say, someone, someone, or a couple are going to have to move on if you bring someone in who is going to be a guaranteed set to start every week. For me, McTominay is still going to play a, a key role going forward in the sense that he reminds me a lot of Darren Fletcher. Um, I think he's the sort of player that you play in those. Big games comes in and does a right good job for you. I think in, in some of the bigger games you'll see Mourinho, uh, sorry Mourinho, Solskjaer mm. uh, sacrifice maybe one of the two in front um, to to get McTominay into a midfield with a, another holder and one of Fernandez um, or Pogba because I think he is going to have to be ruthless in those big games as, as he has shown he's been capable of being being in the past. So someone or, or or two are going to have to move on. Who that will be? I think Matic for me would be the most likely candidate. Um, Lingard, of course, we've talked about. I think we'll move on if a suitable offer is there. Fred, I think United would listen to offers for Fred. Again, this is just my personal opinion, but I don't, I don't quite think there would be many suitors there. I could be wrong with that, but I just don't think there would be. We shall see, mate. Lots of questions still the answer. Uh, loads of people are still wondering about why Jaden Sancho hasn't been announced. Um, I personally have moved on mentally. To me, it's a formality. It's a done deal. I'm not concerned about it. Uh, it would be a bigger story if he wasn't announced now than what it was. What it would be if he is. Um, to me, formality is not an issue. Uh, you know, it, to me, I I, I want to see some confirmation on Varane. Um, I want to get that done. That's really where um, I'm not at a point where I'm confident. I think it will get done. I just want to see it get done, um, and and then obviously focus on the rest. So. Not an issue with Sancho. Um, you know, we did that. That, that is done. And I, even if I guarantee, if you know, even tried to cancel that deal, they get sued. The high heaven by Dortmund and everyone else, and Sancho, and so um, no issue whatsoever with that. Um, Going to get to some questions here, mate. Before we move on, have you got anything else you want to add before we get to some questions? The the only thing I, I would like to sort of add, and again, it's just. Just a question for yourself. Um, it might be something that's tougher to answer. If Fernand wasn't to happen, do you believe, are you confident the United have got another two or three on a list that they can go to quickly? Or do you think it could lead to a situation of maybe we have to stick with what we've got, maybe something will come up in the market towards the end? That, that, that's, that, that's what's playing in my mind. Again, people are probably listening to this going, he's been negative, but I'm just, I, I think I've just been programmed with that United in the market in recent years. I don't think you need to have an immediate alternative lined up that is of the quality. See, here's the thing. If you go and send another young centre-back or any centre-back for that matter, you're not going to send another one next season, right? So you're committed to that person. So I don't... And I think that's one of the reasons. It's a great point because I think it also demonstrates how confident you are on 
different situations that they really aren't pursuing anything else. Um, Solskjaer has identified this as a priority. He wanted it done last season, didn't get one. Mourinho wanted it done, uh, didn't get it. Um, so I do think that it will happen this summer. I think Solskjaer's probably been promised this. Um, and it will happen. So um, there, I don't think there is an alternative. And I think it would be very difficult for Solskjaer to go back now and say, we're going to go with what we've got. I know we've been targeting the centre-back and we've considered it fundamental to winning the league. But you know what? Actually, it just seems a man that we don't need one. You know, I think um, what that would say to Lindelof or, uh, would be, I don't have confidence in you, but now I do. You know, it's very, very hard to go back on that. And um, so I think I think it will get done. I don't think we'll see, uh, you know, I, I don't think there's anything obvious. It's obvious that the United would move for. Um, so a couple of questions here, Matt. Just, uh, we, we didn't, we'll not get to the first couple because we've more or less answered them in the podcast. This one's from uh, Renard1994. Chances of James, Dan James going on loan and Palestri staying. Uh, when we've, we've talked about Palestri and Amad, but let's talk about Dan James. Uh, some clubs being linked with him. Uh, you would imagine if you need to bring in Sancho, um, considering they've got Amad as well, that Dan James would probably be someone I would consider letting go. I think they would consider selling him rather than loaning him. It's just my yes. personal opinion. I think he's the sort of player that he had a decent Euros for Wales. Let's not forget that as well. Um, I think he's the sort of player that United would look to sell rather than loan because I don't really see what United have to gain from a loan from James. I think mm-hmm. the players that are in front of him, even if he goes in a 12-month loan, will still be ahead of him in 12 months' time. And he's not he's not a teenager anymore to the extent where you've got Ahmad and Palestri who in 12 months' time could come on an awful lot. I think James has still got improvement in him, but I don't quite think he's ever going to be one of the starting wingers for Manchester United. And that, there's no shame in that because how many oh. times over the years, even in the Fergie teams, did you have players that were... Maybe even some would argue so scared himself that that were really good at making an impact in certain games from the start, but mostly from the bench. And I think for Dan James, his Manchester United career, in my opinion, is most likely going to be that. So I think I would look to sell rather than loan. I agree. Um, uh, Magnifico uh, at Peanut Plant, I think it is. What do you think should happen with Pogba? Um, look, if someone came and offered you know, 50, 60 million right now, and probably wanted to go to a club, you know, it was accepted, right? Um, <clears throat> but they're looking at that. What if Varane comes in next season, French teammate, you never play well, win a league, maybe he stays, right? Um, I don't think he leaves this summer simply because I don't see anyone with the money needed to come in and, and get him out of there. So um, I think he'll stay. Uh, and uh, I think, um, you know, we'll probably gamble on him signing a new contract. But Again, if somebody come in and offer them the money, like a PSG or someone like that, then I could see you nearly know, accepting it. But I don't see it happening. I agree with you. I think that's that's a very a very fair summary. Yes. Um, okay. So Edwin Ambrose writes: Do you think boycotting the purchase of new kits and sponsorship products potentially helps the Glazers towards the door, or hurts United? Look, United have already been paid for these Adidas kits, right? So it really would affect future deals, not where they're at right now. Um, sure, it's, but um, anything that starves them of cash, you know, is going to hurt in the short term, but long term will eventually deliver your results. So, um, you know, we've we've talked about this ad nauseum on here. Uh, the Glazers are in, in Manchester United for one reason, one reason only, and that's to make money. You see the treatment of their women's team. You know, uh, if that old saying of it doesn't, if it makes dollars and cents, it makes sense. And um, you know, where there is no 
massive return on your investment right now. It's really about the love of the football club and the love of football and, and investing in women um, for you know, giving them equal opportunities as, as, as absolutely should be happening. And that investment isn't there. Uh, you need to deserve leaving criticized on some of this. So, um, yeah, of course, definitely helps. But what I would say as a caveat on that, shaming people online, right, is not the right way to go about things either. If there's an organized boycott, protest, everything else, fine. But people are entitled to make their own decisions, right? And shaming them online while you're doing nothing but having a green and gold logo in your Twitter profile doesn't make you better than them, right? If there's organized protests going on, fine. But lots of these same people are ones that have secret subscriptions to MUTV and buying secret shirts and everything else. And as we've seen, some of them aren't even United fans um, when they accidentally expose themselves. As you would know, Callum in the park. Sorry, man. No, 100%. It really frustrates me to see the shaming online because at the end of the day, everyone's got to make an informed decision. And as you say, if there's an organised boycott and uh, there's traction behind it, I think you will see a lot of United fans join that boycott. However, it's very easy to just put a green and gold badge on your Twitter profile. It's very easy to proclaim and shame people online for uh, for uh, buying the shirts when, let's be honest with you, half of them are probably buying them themselves, but just not uh, properly publicising it. So I think it has to be organised, as you've said before. We've talked about protests when they went on last season. Be organised, um, make sure that the protest sticks to the key message. And as we always say with these things, Phil, don't give the Glazers or anyone you're protesting against an excuse to be able to, to to zoom in or hone in on a mistake that you've made, whether it was the American flag last time, whatever it may be, to take the eyes off that protest. So be organised, stick to the core message, and I think you'll see a majority join you. We shall see. Uh, a <laughs> few questions here from uh, SJP. It says, will Jesse Lingard be sold this summer? I think he will. Um, <clears throat> I think United will eventually sell him for, for the same reason that he left on loan in January is he's not going to put Bruno Fernandes out of the team. Um, for Jesse Lingard, he has to prioritise a move this summer and capitalise on the fact that he... Because like we said before, see if he waits six months and tries to do this, that last six months will be quickly forgotten about what oh, happened at West Ham. So this is... It, 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 right now, he's at the peak of his value, right? And yeah, his contract's up in a year. So unless he plays, which I don't think he's going to... Um, you know, he's, he's not going to sign a new contract in a year. So you need to be looking at that. Do we really want to lose Pogba and Lingard for free next summer? That would be perfect financial management. So I don't see that happening. Uh, Amar, we've talked about Danny Pogba. Uh, we shall see. Um, let me see. We'll do one or two more. Um, what players needed looking to move on? Uh, we've talked about a lot of this. It's from Michael O'Brien. Um, I think obviously Andres Pereira is another one. I think there's a whole bunch of them that are French players that would be happy to move on and, and that aren't of United quality that are really it, partly the reason why they were given absurd contracts at a time when United were, you know, were, were dreadful in terms of the depth of their squad. Andres Pereira should not, is, does not belong at a club to say so much. He's never going to be good enough. Never. You know, um, I think there's Baye is a question. You know, I can understand why they gave him a new contract, but if they bring a center back in, you know, he wasn't playing enough as it is, he's going to fall even further behind the packing order. Um, which now makes sense why they're not going to let two and ZB go. Um, big question mark, sir. And I do not see you know, using Victor Lindelof as a defensive midfielder, tactically, he's not good enough. 
I agree with that. I think the goalkeeping situation, as I mentioned in the last week's show, still still intrigues me. I think you've got four goalkeepers at the club. I know obviously people say I'll just disregard Grant, but he has been third choice for a number of years. So to have four experienced or established goalkeepers is 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 intriguing. I know PSG, I think I've got nine in their books at the moment. Um but I think that's a situation I'd be, I'd be, I would be watching. And as I hinted at earlier, I think you would get decent money for Lingard. I think you will. It's just a waiting game. Solskjaer's saying the right things. Yeah, it'd be part of my plans, etc. It would be daft people that get annoyed with this online. <clears throat> if he was to simply say he's not in my plans, he's out, then if you're West Ham, you're just going to bring your money down. You're just going to wait a deadline day. You're going to get it done. Whereas if you think he's part of the plans, you're going to have to stump up the cash. In terms of the goalkeeping situation, as we talked about, I think you would get good money for one of the goalkeepers. I still, as you've said last week, Phil, something United probably will consider. Um, it'll be interesting to see if any clubs move for either Henderson or De Gea. Um, other players that are going out, you talked about Pereira. Williams will probably uh, go out on loan. Um, Twan Zabi, I think, has to leave the club. Um, I actually think, I'm edging towards the Dan James scenario with him, where I actually think it might be time for him to move on permanently. Um, I could, again, people might disagree, but I just think he's had a loan at Aston Villa before. For me, he does look good when he comes into the United team but he never seems to be able to sustain it over five or ten games. Um, that's not always his fault because at times he has been injured, but he's he's not he's not old, of course he's not old, but he's not getting any younger to the point where you can continue to say he's a kid anymore. So I think United need to be ruthless and make the decision. And if, if they have a lingering doubt that he is going to come good, put a buyback clause in the contract. We've seen uh, clubs do that in the past. I know Man City did it with uh, Ian Atchew at Leicester. They're probably not going to buy him back, but it just gives you that option if you were to if you were to worry that he is going to turn good and maybe be the player that you you think he is. So for me, I'd be looking to move him on as well. But we've talked about the obvious candidates. Matic probably being another one. They would listen to offers from Martial probably if they came in. But again, in this climate, who's going to really stump up the cash for these type of players? So um, I think it's just going to be the obvious ones that we've talked about. But of course, United would consider offers for quite a few players that are in the, in the, the squad um, rotation category. It's going to be interesting because even when you look at the likes of Pogba, right? So let's say free transfers are not free, right? I mean, if Pogba leaves at the end of next season, right, even on a free, even then, there's still not going to be a massive amount of clubs that can afford his wages, right? Because you're talking about a 29-year-old footballer now that's going to be asking for 350 grand a week. That's a, somewhere around that. That's a massive number, Right? Stuff with the hair wages, which is insane to me. Um, but uh, I'm just looking at that and I'm going, you know, even if you never want to keep Pogba, right? The wages they're going to have to commit to are going to be unreal. And so, I don't know. I think that uh, it's a it, it it's a massive risk to keep him in Lingard for another year when you needed or saying that, or if there's a third player, it's difficult because of budgetary reasons. You need to sell. Then to me, that's poor finance management. Um, but you, you can't sell it another bar. Uh, as for the when will the bid go in for Varane, it's always the last part of a negotiation, right? So they make sure the player wants to come, they get everything else in line, and then they come in with the offer. Because look, if you go to the club first and you haven't got the player on set and you haven't got the player wanting to come to your football club, the price is massive. Now, if Varane goes into Florentino Perez and says, look, I want to want to go to Manchester United, everything's agreed, personal terms, everything else, right? He has to sell him, right? We're going to keep him. 
I want to be here. Right? So of course he's going to sell him. So you do the back part of the deal first. The, the bid that goes in is always the last part. So um, I, 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 I expect that Real Madrid United will come to an agreement on that. Um, you know, Real Madrid aren't exactly flush with cash like they have been in the past. He wants to leave. They lose him on a free next season. It makes sense to sell him. So I, I, again, I, 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 I'm sure if that's not already in, it, it, it'll be in any day. And it kind of reminds me of the something that you said last week and you've also said on social media this week, Phil. I think there is a real um, opportunity for a club to dominate or be mm-hmm. at the, the forefront of European football for the next five years or so. I think it's it's it, for me, United are the sort of club that should be taking advantage of Real Madrid situation at the moment because you can be sure as yeah. anything that Real Madrid would be doing the same if, if, if United were in that position. So for me, that's a positive. A club of United size and stature should be looking to take advantage of situations when they come up. Because as I say, the Spanish clubs have been masters at it for years. Um, and I think if you get Varane, I think it, it sends a message. You're getting Sancho and Varane, I think it sends a message to someone like Pogba. I think it'll make him want to stay at the club. It still will cost a lot of money to make it happen in wages, signing on, fee, loyalty bonus, whatever it may be. But I think Varane and Sancho in the one window sends a message to him that United are going in the direction that I think he thought they were going in when he signed for Mourinho. I think this would be the first time um, in his spell at the club that I think it would be hard for him to argue that United are are heading in the right direction and they're acting like a club who, who want to go forward. I think it would be a real statement to get both this window. We shall see. Folks, we'll go ahead and leave it there. Be back again next week. I have Danny Higginbottom on the show as well next week, but we'll sit down and we'll take a look at, you know, tactically what Jaden Sancho brings in Manchester United, what that 4-3-3 is going to be look like, what United will need for that to be a title win in 4-3-3, what we should expect, everything else. So I'm looking forward to having the big man on. As always, Calm, all the best, mate. Thanks to everyone else for downloading and sharing, retweeting everything. Very much appreciated and I hope you're all well. Take it easy, Calm. Take care. All the best. Same here. Bye.